0: I'm Tas Mellis of the Starters, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast, presented by Leaning. I am your usual host, Matthew Wellington. I'm joined tonight once again by Mike Miller. Hello, and we've got Joe Helbert.
0: Hi, guys. How are you both doing?
1: You are you are our latest, probably our first resident SB Nation writer.
0: Yeah. I'm just really excited about it because there's a lot of really good British writers out there and I'm just glad that you know a couple of us are starting to get noticed and hopefully there's more
1: up in the big leagues now. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool seeing you put that tweet out the other day. It was like yeah. right. Joe's Congrats. finally made it. All uh, all uh, the, the 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 hot takes have finally been um taken. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a bit of housekeeping to do before we get on to the show. Basically, today's or tonight's show is just going to be a quick recap of the NBA Finals because obviously me and Mike did cover Game 1 and 2 the last time we did a podcast, but since then the Finals have actually concluded. Um, so we'll cover that quickly and then we're going to go on to like a sort of roundtable discussion featuring a couple of sort of questions that we'll try and revolve our conversation around. And then towards the end, Mr. Hulbert's going to come up with his going to put his draft hat on and give you a quick um, lottery big board. And then, hopefully, next week or the weekend after, at some point, we will manage to get together a team to do a full draft recap, which I believe Joe will probably head up. um, Draft team assemble. Draft team assemble, as he has done the last few seasons, and he's done an excellent job, so we'll leave him to it again. It's not really my forte, and as Mike has said before the show, he only knows one or two of the draft players, so that tends to to cause problems if you're doing a draft podcast. Yeah, the draft's never
2: been my my speciality mainly because i'm too busy nose down in the nba and then as soon yeah. as it's finished i'm like oh, i've kind of i've kind of missed it all a bit now but i was able to catch a lot of uh, Doncic this year which is why i know about
1: him <laughs> uh, i see glimpses of um college basketball usually when it gets to march madness it's quite easy to watch over here because it's on bt sport and espn but most of the college season i don't tend to pay attention to um mainly because we're focusing on this obviously um anyway the the housekeeping that we've got to do um we we had a new writer join us um two weeks ago now um his name is hugh hopkins he's going to be a contributor for our team he's done a pretty fantastic job so far i think it's safe to say um several articles have gone up there are a couple that went up uh when just before we'd done the last show and his most recent two are lebron's greatest achievement um which is comparing the 2007 finals run to obviously this year's finals run and how lebron carried both that's a really interesting read I everyone's going to have a look at that one and then you've got the greatest of all time debate which is actually our very first women's nba article which is a, a new area that we're looking into but we are obviously a basketball site first and foremost so we are looking at spreading and venturing into other areas and other leagues like um like me and mike have said on previous podcasts but we'll get more of that out hopefully this summer with a few of the things we've been working on but um yeah, go and check those those two articles out there. They're pretty fantastic pieces, aren't they, guys? Yeah, both of them are. Uh,
2: it was some really interesting uh, na- like throwbacks with the names of the 2007 roster. Yeah. Uh, and then the WNBA was just uh, – like, so I've I've not followed the WNBA closely, um, but I've been to see a few games that have been out in the States in the summers. And it was actually really interesting to to sort of – see that side of things of course I know who's talking about and I've, I've heard her speak a few times and seen her play I'm I'm avoiding names so as not to spoil it for you go and check it out uh, <laughs> but no I, I really enjoyed it and I look forward to the next one
0: Yeah I liked yeah. I liked the WNBA one as well there's a real there's a real market for that at the moment because I think because the NBA's growing When when we lose basketball people still have a craving for it don't they so it's like in football, people watch preseason friendlies and stuff. I think it's the same kind of thing. Obviously, WNBA is is a growing standard. I follow a couple of NBA writers who have actually become WNBA beat writers. You know, there's funding for it. There's an audience, and I think it's I think it's great that we're seeing it grow.
1: Yeah, certainly, I've found in general that basketball in this country is very, very popular among women in general. So that's that's a great market for. You know, for us to probably look into and expand a bit further. And if you are interested in writing about the WNBA or you've covered it for you know a lot longer than most of us here have, then please do contact us and, and get in touch, and we'll we'll see if we can come to some agreement where you can help us help us out with our WNBA coverage. Um, but anyway, moving on quickly to the NBA Finals, we'll just recap uh, Game Three and Four, which obviously took place. Game Three was. Um, a competitive one. I mean, it finished 110 102. Kevin Durant had 43 points, which is his career playoff high. He had the clutch three point error at the end of the game to, from exactly the same spot as he took it last year. And that was the night where Steph Curry went just completely cold. He was one of 10 from three point range and only had 11 points. Game four, the dubs cruised away to that one. That was 108 85 in Cleveland. And that's the first final sweep t- since 2007, which was obviously the last time. The Cavs got swept as well. They, um, that's the article that Hugh wrote about. So uh, go and check that one out. And then, um, yeah, it's the third championship for the Warriors in the past four seasons. There's a dynasty in the making. Another great game from um, Dray, uh, from, Dr- from Dr- not Draymond Green. Well, he had a great game. But Kevin Durant, another, another 20 points for him, and 12 rebounds, a triple-double. It was Steph a Draymond Cur-
2: Green stat line, wasn't it? The, it was, yeah. <laughs> with a couple of extra buckets.
1: And then you had Steph Curry with 37.6 rebounds, 4 assists, three ramp- 3 rebounds, and... Um, three steals which was just nuts like it and they were they went off from three-point range in the first quarter of that game they had a lead and Cleveland came back into it to give them credit they made it interesting um, but by the end of it there was no denying the fact that the Warriors were, were going to finish that series in style and towards the end of the game it was just that fourth quarter was a little bit pointless really it was a bit sad to see LeBron James look dejected and he he had to say goodbye to his, the teammates and the players he was playing against on the court but yeah, it could be the last time we see LeBron in a um, in a Cavaliers jersey. But just quickly, I mean, Joe, what were your thoughts on the finals? Did you enjoy them, or are you in the um, the negative camp of I can't see, can't see another one of these again next year?
0: I enjoyed the first two games. They were legitimately really good games. Um, game four, I I don't usually turn games off. I didn't watch any of them live. Um, I watched them all the next day without checking the score. Yeah. But how about? You know, halfway through that third quarter, I did turn Game 4 off because it was just, you know, I kept asking myself throughout the finals what has happened to Kevin Love because we had him in Minnesota and he, a lot of people think he stat stuff on a bad team, but he, I, don't, I didn't see it that way myself. He was legitimately, like, one of the best offensive players in the league and he just looked so helpless throughout that series. And I'm kind of glad I don't have to see this version of the Cavs again because... They would. They were just painful to watch. I know they got to the finals, but they got to the finals with that game seven against Boston. It's like one of the ugliest performances I've ever seen. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just so glad I don't have to see you know George Hill, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson on the same team again.
1: It's it's so strange to think that as NBA fans we sit here and go, "Oh, thank God the NBA finals are over," because like we wait all season for them. But this year there wasn't really that. Anticipation. I think a lot of us had predicted who was going to be in the finals at the start of the season, and that came to fruition. And it just did not. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't end well. I mean, Mike, what were your what were your thoughts? Do you share the same thoughts and and doubts as as Joe did? So, um,
2: I felt the the playoffs peaked way before the finals, and then uh, it game one gave me hopes that it was going to be a close series. <laughs> and R. then yeah. <laughs> and then the rest of it I was just kind of okay and the same same as Joe uh, except game four I watched everything uh, Zero Dark Thirty the next day uh, but game four I, I I went to bed I got up I watched it at 2am and about oh, half three I was like why are you doing this to yourself <laughs> and then it got to it, well what happens uh, I fell asleep at half time but I woke up like a minute into the third, which was good. Um, so I missed the halftime show, and I, I really hope it was Red Panda. If it wasn't, I'll be disappointed.
1: She fell off um, her thing, didn't she? What? Yeah.
2: Ah, oh, see, they she cut She fell all... off the cycle. When? <laughs> what, in the finals? In
1: the finals.
2: <laughs> I completely missed that. <laughs> right, see, it's that's a what YouTube. you... To YouTube it's... that. That's what happens when you re- watch it back, you don't, you don't see Red Panda fall off. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. That's like... <laughs> That's huge. That's like Jeremy Lin when he blew out his knee. Or uh, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, this this is big. Red Red Panda's the real MVP. I will I will fight that corner <laughs> for a long, long time. Um, but then yeah, they, when when LeBron checked out the game, I did too because I was just like, this is. There's no point watching this now. Um, yeah. And I I felt like there were so many plot lines that even though it was obvious the Warriors were going to win. This could still have been a fun series with just like you know the creation of a, a dynasty, the 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 LeBron, how far can he carry things? And I really hope that he, that those could create some sort of interest, but it really just sort of petered out very very quickly. Um, and and just on Joe's point about Kevin Love, this is the the matchup he can't handle. We he can do it for a couple of minutes if it's you know Game Seven of of 2016, but other than that, he's really struggled to stay on the floor against the Warriors. And it's just, I think it's just, unfortunately, a, a bad matchup for him. And if the Cavs, I've, I mean, someone shared in the Slack earlier, the uh, Cavs off-season plans, you know, theoretical, and, and it had Love getting out of there. Uh, if they're able to do something like that, then I think next year would be an interesting finals. But I, I don't think they can win it with Love as the second best player or third. No.
1: Well, and they they were desperately stri- trying to find somebody else to sort of help out LeBron. And, you know, the supporting cast really wasn't there. Rodney Hood had a couple of good games it, 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 towards the end of the series. but I'm back on the Hood bandwagon now. Yeah, that's all it <laughs> took. But, you know, it's, it must be difficult, especially for you, like, staying on watching that. I, I did the the Joe thing and, and stayed off as well. Like, I think it's quite strange as well that we've all sat here. We're all three Enthusiast fans. And we will all happily admit that we probably didn't, well, apart from Mike that we didn't watch most of the NBA finals games live like and that's the first time in years that I can sit here and say mm-hmm. that you know I've been doing this podcast with people since 2012 and I'm pretty sure I've I've been up for at least one or two of nearly every finals game series since then and this year it just it just wasn't you know the energy wasn't really there to to do it especially after the way Cleveland threw away game 1 I just thought that was the chance that they had to seal it And when when you're up at four o'clock in the morning or whatever it was and, you know, the Cavs go into the fourth quarter of game four down 21 points, you're always going to be sitting there going, I should be in bed, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, do you you think, though, the way this has ended sets up what was already to be an interesting off-season? Do you think it just sort of adds to the momentum that we're going to see some big changes personnel-wise?
1: it might excel a lot of things because we're obviously hearing that David West has come out and said that there were some issues in the locker room for the Warriors and Sean Livingston said the same thing and Durant's being asked about his future and Draymond Green's being asked about his future and he was obviously the speculation of trade rumors earlier in the year so it's going to be this summer's going to be mental like I know we we get to the offseason and us podcasters all sitting and think oh we're going to get some time off but like anything crazy happens we'll be back on at some point to, to you know if the Braun ends up in la or houston or wherever it is he ends up then we'll have to jump on and and do an emergency pod which um joe will remember because we did one when he went back to cleveland
0: <laughs> yeah i do remember that
1: we uh we assembled everybody we could and, and sat down for 20 minutes and just were you know spouted about how shocked we were but anyway moving off the nba finals because there's not really much more we can say it was just You know, not the greatest of series. It won't be fondly remembered. I did actually write an article saying this is the most one-sided series I've seen (laughs) in a long, long time, and that happily came to fruition for me, so that made me look all right. Um, (laughs) Right, on to our sort of roundtable discussions. We've got a bunch of um, questions here that some of them are focused on the predictions piece. So at the start of the season, we did a 2017 to 18 awards prediction piece. Now, Mike is guilty of not actually having taken part in that one due to being busy at the time. But we—I we, we was could, busy. I remember it quite we, clearly, saying, "Go ahead with our you I
2: can't do it." <laughs> it's all right. So I'm just going to lie now, and you know, put, put yeah, you've got Everything correct. correct. <laughs> but
1: um, me, me, and Joe were, were, did actually contribute to that, and we've got some um, some of our things to, to laugh about and look over later. And obviously, you've got um, Joe's very first year of the um, Joe Herbert Comeback Award, which was named after Joe. So, <laughs> was this the first year of it? I thought this was the second year. Was it second? Oh. Come on, Joe. I
0: think it. I think it was unofficial last year. It was kind of like it's official oh, it Started now. midway kind of through the season. Yeah, it, it's official, it's official now, now. It's Trademarked.
1: Have we got the trophy? Yet. Trophy and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, we need <laughs> to get a trophy. Can...
1: What's the trophy going to be, Joe?
0: God, it's a good question. I'll buy the cheapest, cheapest, and <laughs> most stupid one I can find.
2: Let, let's do that and post it to the agent of the uh,
1: <laughs> player question.
0: That's a good. We're... We'll probably get to it in a minute. But who actually would have won? Who won that?
1: Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll,
0: have well, to, I'll think about this throughout the podcast. And I'll, but I was going
1: to say, it's, it's your award. You've got to pick the winner, surely.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably. You,
1: well, you've got to work out from the predictions that we all made that we've probably gone terribly wrong. <laughs>
0: Well, the guy I picked was Chandler Parsons. That uh, that didn't really happen.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I don't think so he had I think a comeback, let alone a comeback of the year. <laughs>
1: oh, <dear. laughs> right, uh, on to the roundtable. So um, the, the first question that I'm going to post to everybody is, uh, which player took you by surprise this season in either a positive or a negative way? Um, you could probably see that as two questions. But, Joe, I'm going to go over to you first quickly.
0: Is this for the positive one? Uh, either Uh, I'll go positive first, then we'll start with the good things first. Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was Mm -hmm. so good all season. He stepped it up even more in the playoffs, but I remember in the off-season when they maxed him, and I'm not excluding myself in this, by the way, I didn't think he was worth that contract. Now, I know part of it is the Pelicans had no choice, because obviously when it's your own player and you've got their rights, you can go above your cap. But I still didn't even think he'd be a good point guard, let alone a great one. He was legitimately really good. He ran that offence, and when DeMarcus Cousins sadly went down, Holiday stepped up and he kept that team afloat in the playoffs, along with uh, that Anthony Davis guy. He's pretty good as well. Drew Holiday, <laughs> there was, I've got a couple of other names which I'll get to in a minute, but Drew Holiday was my number one.
2: I, I remember being on the pod with you, and I agreed with you that they'd overpaid Drew Holiday i it and he's just been fantastic for them, like he you you're bang on he he's 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 not my choice but i'm I'm agreeing with you um my choice uh Jalen Brown just made leaps and strides that I wasn't expecting from him in his second year um I remember conversations at the end of last season uh where there were questions about him and his potential and his abilities, and I think he surpassed everything, yeah, he didn't have a great conference finals. But a second-year player that that wasn't expected to do great things like he's been doing, I think that's just yeah, he's he's surprised me.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting that we've all got multiple names in here, and that shows you how you know strong the league is this year in terms of players that have really come out and, and shocked everyone. I think one of the ones that just rolls off the top of your head is probably Victor Oladipo. Like we knew he had talent, I don't think anyone quite knew he could do what he did this season um immediate one for me would probably be just donovan mitchell had no idea he was capable of you know averaging 20 points in his rookie season playing 79 games dragging a team through the playoffs and you know putting up a pretty good fight against the um i'm not sure he did in the end but no i don't think he did either um but my actual pick for my surprise of the year and I, i i don't think i've got a negative so i'm gonna just pick a i'm just gonna pick another another positive but deontay murray um Man, the Spurs have have got themselves the uh, the point guard of the future. I mean, six foot five, you know, phenomenal defensive talent for them, and he contributed to them a lot this season. I think when him and Marcus Aldridge were on the court together, they accounted for over eighty percent of the team's defensive rebounds. And you know, the Spurs are the Spurs; they're always going to be a good basketball team. They have the great fundamentals and. To have him come in and play, you know, more games than he played last year, last season, he did eighty-one this year. Started forty-eight of those, obviously taking over from Tony Parker, and to come in and sort of take some of the pressure, especially with what was going on with Kawhi Leonard, who would actually probably be my disappointment for the season, just because the way he whole he handled that whole situation um, wasn't very Kawhi-like. But yeah, no, Deontay Murray for me is was was seriously impressive, and I think you know. He's one of those young guys that you can be looking at in the league. He's going to be making a name for himself over the next couple of years. I know Joe's a big fan of Deontay Murray as well. So
0: yeah, he's one of their few players who I think wasn't awful in the playoffs because their playoff run was it was pretty depressing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, well, he he he's great for them, especially when he plays alongside Patty Mills because he can defend the, the the sort of the bigger opponents. He's better at taking the switch than Patty Mills is, and you know he's good at contesting shots. So he, he, he was. He was real real standout for me in what was a pretty strange season for the San Antonio Spurs in general. But yeah, um in terms of negatives, I've, i I honestly don't I couldn't really think of somebody off the top of my head that wasn't just Kawhi for not really turning up. But have you guys got anyone that immediately springs to mind?
2: Mello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mello, massive disappointment for me. Starts the season off saying, you know, I remember I remember in the uh the Media Day, and someone asked him if he'd be willing to come off the bench and he laughed and he 's basically turned into the the, the league 's most expensive corner three specialist um, uh, yeah, a massive disappointment for me yeah not that I was ever impressed with him anyway like <laughs> no,
0: i've not ra- i've not rated him since that one season where I think Mike Woodson was the coach, and they had Steve oh, wow. Novak. There's pretty good. That's probably the last good Knicks team I've seen, but I haven't rated him since then. I'm with you. He was. Um, I thought he was a disaster most of the time, to be honest. Because actually, if he just stood in the corner and played off ball, I wouldn't have minded him. But he seems to still think he can take these sort of contested mid-range jumpers all game, and he can't. So he he wasn't actually on my list, but he probably should be. My number one guy was Hassan Whiteside. Um, obviously. Yeah. I watch more, more Miami than probably most people do, and I don't blame them for not watching them because it's not—it's <laughs> not particularly. In, they're, they're a good team; they're not really an interesting team. Um, but Whiteside, I think, is the twelfth highest-paid player in the NBA. He probably paid cl- played at a level close to the hundred and twelfth highest player in terms of what he should be worth. He was—he was sulking all the time. He just did he just does not fit the modern NBA. He can't defend out in space. And to be honest with you, I'm that might that might be the worst contract I've seen. It just amazes me that it was Pat Riley who gave it out. Because he doesn't get
2: a lot wrong. What what amazes me is that the minute he got the money, his production just plummeted.
1: Well, you know, he got his two K rating up, so he oh, maybe maybe it was it the two K <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to get his two K rating up. Um okay, so um In terms of the season, I mean, just general thoughts. um, Did you enjoy it, first of all, Mr. Miller? Did you enjoy this season? Of course I did.
2: This of course is, she did. This, Yeah. Well, Stupid question. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, no, I absolutely hated it. Um, I don't know why I pot about it almost on a weekly <laughs> basis. You know, sometimes I just sit there and go, This is more pain I want to put myself through every single day. No, I loved it. It's what, what was there not to look I don't I don't care that the Warriors won the finals again. They won because they're the best team. If no one else can in the league compete, then that's an issue for twenty nine other teams. Not for, for for me as a fan. Um We've seen records broken. We've seen the new wave of players sort of step up and show that that they're ready to take over the league. We've seen the old guard still perform at a ridiculous age. Um, it's not that ridiculous because he was born the same year as me, so let's leave him alone on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, what's not to like about it?
1: Okay, f- f- fair enough. I don't really think there's many p- much point in posing the, the same, same <laughs> question to, to Joe. So we'll hit Joe with... Um, memorable moments and games of this season. I mean, I've got quite a few that I can just read off, but I'm going to go to you first and see. I imagine we'll have some similar ones because there's been some great buzzer beaters this year. There's been some, you know, unbelievable historic performances. And then there's been some ridiculous dunks as well, like in-game dunks, not just, you know, the dunk contest. So it, it's been a fun season for, you know, if you even if you're a neutral NBA fan, which a lot of us tend to be now that we podcast and cover the NBA just as a general, like we have our teams that we obviously support individually but in terms of covering the league we we take everything in and we you know just enjoy being around it so if you, in terms of memorable moments and games is there anything that particularly sticks out to you
0: i've got a couple of moments i'm going to go with my games first and they do have a theme all of my games as you could probably guess um <laughs> they all Timberwolves games <laughs> most mostly yeah i've got two i've got two that aren't the most notable individual game I watched was that Timberwolves winner-takes-all game against the Nuggets. That was a great game. Because obviously, game. I follow other sports, and for the NFL, for example, because it's only a 16-game season, you get quite a lot of winner-takes-all games. You don't get them in the NBA very often. It was, And it was a great game as well. It was close. It had everything. It had great individual play, great defensive play, some pretty bad play from some of our players and some of Denver's players. Nikola Jokic had like 47, something ridiculous like that. He was hitting everything. That might be the best game I've seen in a long time. And to be honest, even if we'd lost, I think this that may still have been my answer. The other one, I don't know if you guys will remember this. It was second game of the season for the Timberwolves. We played the Thunder. Maybe- <laughs> It, was it
2: wasn't cool. high on my watch list. I'm not.
0: <laughs> no, Mello hit a three with about 1.5 seconds left, and then Wiggins just came out of nowhere and won the game from half court. Yeah, that I remember was, that. That was one of my favourite games. And the other one I've got down is um, Nuggets Thunder. I can't remember the exact score, but Gary Harris hit the game winner.
1: Oh, oh yeah. I've, I've got yeah. I've got that one. It was one two seven one two four in the end, and there was like 0. 0.8 on the clock, and yeah. The, the they doubled, Russ had, had hit the, 1st hadn't he? Yeah, Ross had, yeah.
0: And that was where um a Denver fan got got in Russ's face, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, he wasn't very happy about it. I
2: don't think Russ is very happy.
0: And uh one of my one of my other moments is actually Westbrook related. Um it was when Ricky Rubio just got right in his head in the playoffs. That was <laughs> that was brilliant because I've loved Ricky Rubio since he entered the league and to see him get get under the skin of a top 10 player because everyone says rubio you know he can't shoot he's injury prone he's overrated you can't win with him well he helped them win a big playoff series and i as a, obviously as a european fan i loved the, ricky rubio's playoff performances were just such a great one of my favorite moments
2: Absolutely. Mike, what have you got? Let's call it recency bias, but the most memorable game to me <laughs> was uh, LeBron James putting up 51 points and then J.R. Smith just wiping That's it off. It's pretty memorable. That, that I, I think of all the games this year, I'm probably going to remember that one for the longest just because of the, the weight that was on it. And that seems like a real cop-out, I know. Um, moments in games, though. Like, Do you remember the Yanis dunk over Timmy Hardaway where he he he, he went over him? Yeah, things like that. Just I'm just like, wow. Some of the dunks this year were incredible. Um, personal moments, being at London game this year, watching uh, Jalen Brown throw down some ridiculous dunks just after a practice session. Things like that. It's just it's been a whole host of them. But uh, yeah, I'm just gonna go with All those right. for the minute.
1: Actually, that's a really good point because NBA London this season, like we we went to one of the pubs before the game and met up with a few people and like there was a real, like a different atmosphere to what I think has been previous years, just purely because of the fan bases and the size of those fan bases over mm-hmm. here in in Europe. Having the Sixers and the Celtics play each other felt like a special moment, and um, yeah, no, that's that, I, I didn't even think of personal you know highlights of the season, but that would. um definitely be one and you know seeing a young Sixers team playing playing well and a young Celtics team playing well was was great um in terms of memories for the season I mean like where do you start like as a Lakers fan we've had quite a few this year I mean uh, I specifically remember Donovan Mitchell dunking over the top of Lonzo and Kuzma in a game in Utah where um, Burke had hit a missed a, a missed a three and yeah Spider Mitchell just Jumped over everybody and threw it down, which is, you know, undoubtedly one of the highlights of the year for most people. There's the Gary Harris game winner, like like we said, the Brandon Ingram hit, beating the Sixers. I know he was wide open, but to hit that shot with 0.3 on the clock, you know, in Philly to, to to sort of win that game between the battle of who was going to be the next big young team. I mean, it's not really turned out that way, but that's what they were. ESPN and TNT and everybody were were marketing it as you have got LeBron's dunk on Nurkic, which you know is you just go back and watch it and you think oh my god like so if if you know if, if looks could kill um <laughs> it would have happened oladipo beating the spurs was was a great moment um that was sort of his big coming out game and then you know james harden dropping wesley johnson in the State oh. Center, amazing <laughs> that'll that. be <laughs> that'll be played forever on highlight reels um and one that kind of hurt me was damian lillard at the rose garden hitting a game-winning three Against my Lakers um, early on in the season, but that was Dame time, and he's become known for that this season. But yeah, there, there's there's quite a lot that you could, and there was what there was a Knicks game really early in the season when Porzingis was playing against the Suns, where he rejected one of the Suns players and then ran full length for the court and dunked it down at the other end, and you know. Wasn't a great year for the for the Suns, but that might have been the great highlight for the Knicks fans of the Yeah, it wasn't a great it wasn't a great year for the Knicks either. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I guess the Suns have got that tip in that Tyson Chandler had. I can't remember who that was against, but I seem to remember him tipping it in with like 0.3 left or something. He was just yeah. standing under the rim and jumped up and dunked it in. But yeah, there's been some some pretty phenomenal games this year. I guess as British fans, we should probably be looking at. Anobi's big shot against the Cavs which was then wiped off by LeBron's banker that should have never gone in but yeah I'm blaming Pascal
2: Siakam as well for that
1: yeah yeah well you know there's only so much you can do against the the goat well we'll see one of the the goats
2: (laughs) spell it for me spell it for me
1: right um, anyway uh, which prediction did everybody get most wrong now this is an interesting one because like I'm not really sure where we tailor this because, like the start of the season, some of us made win predictions and some of us didn't, and some of us made predictions that players would come back. and I think we'll we'll sort of tailor that in with our general um, awards and MVPs um, prediction. But first of all, I guess we should probably just cover the um, which sort of coach this season disappointed you the most, and which obviously proved you know to be well proved proved the biggest point and was was a surprise this season. Joe?
0: Uh, The coach who surprised me most was Doc Rivers. I thought he did a really good job under very difficult circumstances. I've bashed Doc Rivers. I think we've all bashed Doc Rivers quite a lot over the last couple of years. He did a good job with a young, injured, sort of growing team with a lot of players who didn't look quite like... um, they didn't look like they fitted together. Obviously, the Blake Griffin trade probably proved that it didn't fit together, but he impressed me and so did Alvin Gentry as well. Because that's another one I think I think we all called him as the next coach gone, or certainly the coach with the hottest seat. And he. Yeah. he uh, you know, we're going to get to coach of the year in a minute, but he didn't get anywhere near enough coach of the year talk. If your second best player goes down and you still make the playoffs, you deserve coach of the year talk. It doesn't matter who your other players are.
2: Yeah, Darwin I mean Gentry is a great pick. That's 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 my choice. He, um, <laughs> we we have bashed him a bit on this pod, and I say we. I don't remember you bashing him too much, Matt, but I know that me and, and Joe have gone at him <laughs> pretty uh, in an unfiltered fashion. With um, <laughs> but, but we both, you know, I, I accept that he's he's turned things around there. He he did a great job this year. I I think. Uh, in terms of proving a point, no one talks about Quinn Snyder enough, and he. Ah, oh, he's on my he's my man. Ah, you see the, he took a team that lost their franchise player and somehow reinvigorated them, where they actually look more impressive. I just think I just think he's done a fantastic yeah. job and isn't spoken about enough.
1: No, absolutely. I, I think we should probably just work in our coach'sia predictions anyway, because I, I will go out and say I had Mike Malone. That went badly wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I think Quinn Snyder would deserve would be deserving of winning it. I don't think he will win it, but I, I think he's without doubt in for a shout. I mean, they replaced George Hill with Ricky Rubio, Gordon Hayward with Donovan Mitchell. So at the start of the year, you had a team that was full of sort of relative unknowns, especially on the offensive end. Like where would where were the points going to come from? And at the end of the season, they had 400 more points than they did at the, the end of the last season. Their offensive rating and points per game went up um, quite massively, actually. They went from 28th in points per game to 19th this season. And then you had Donovan Mitchell just emerging as you know a young star who guys are probably going to want to go and play with because he just seems like he's got that positive vibe about him. Um, and then Rudy Gobert comes out, plays not many games at all, and still ends up looking like the defensive player of the year. This team has consistently over the last two, three seasons exceeded everybody's expectations. Quinn Snyder is a big reason for that, and he's turned the Jazz into probably the most consistent franchise in the NBA at the moment. Like they're just, they are, they're building the team the right way, and you know they're getting big input from guys like Joe Ingles and you know guys like Dante Exum who haven't played a lot since they've entered the league playing big minutes and making big plays in the playoffs especially against Houston like they're a really fun team to watch and I don't think anybody usually thinks that about the Utah Jazz but Quinn Snyder has a lot of you know has to take a lot of the credit for that so I think he would be my proved the biggest point and my disappointment would be as I mentioned a minute ago Mike Malone um, the the Nuggets were supposed to make the playoffs this season I know they missed out on the final night as Joe said earlier to his Timberwolves but they had games this season where they were up big. They were up big against the Lakers and they threw the game away and they got competent and cocky in some of the games where they should have easily shut them shut them out and they just, they didn't. And I think a lot of that has to fall on your coach. I know some of that is obviously player mentality, but Mike Malone should be, you know, he's been with big teams before and big players before. He should be getting a, a different mindset in some of those young guys in Denver. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them um, with him and with them next season, but they've got all the talent in the world, that Nuggets team. They should have been in the playoffs and it's really disappointing that they weren't.
0: I think something a lot of people overlooked with um, Malone is that he lost former GB coach Chris Finch, uh, who went to the Pelicans. Chris Finch designed that entire offense and I think, we, you know, I think we, we know more about Malone as a coach now because it's quite clear that he's probably not as good without those assistants, if that makes sense. He was was never really an X's and O's guy in Sacramento, which was actually one of the reasons they got rid of him. They thought the offense was just a bit basic. It was just kind of old-fashioned. But Chris Finch's departure... By the way, Chris Finch should get a head coaching job soon. I don't know what more he has to prove.
2: Well, the precedent's been set with Nick Nurse, so
0: (laughs) former GB... That's a huge appointment. That'll be quite big for GB basketball if you can get those two guys in, but... But staying on, um, staying on my predictions or the coach of the year. But you talked about Snyder. He's actually my pick for coach of the year. I think he, <laughs> got, like, we're all in agreement on something for once. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, Casey's I mean, going to win, and Stevens oh. will probably get more votes. Like. But Snyder had a harder conference. He lost his best player. I know Stevens lost two of his best players as well. But against the Eastern Conference, Snyder. It's not. It's not just the fact that he got to the post. The fact that he won a playoff series against Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Stephen Adams. You know, I I think they were outmatched. Certainly on paper, the Jazz. You know, they I don't think their roster is as good as the Thunder's on paper. But he just no. he just coached a masterclass. They took Stephen Adams out of the game. Westbrook was doing everything, and you know, Westbrook is inefficient when you make him do everything. People don't like to hear that, but it is the truth.
2: Uh, my my biggest disappointment, Stan Van Gundy, who yeah, a
0: good call.
2: just come on, I don't even know what to say. Uh, the Pistons should have been better than that. They've regressed. He then punted on on Blake Griffin as it was a panic panic trade to try and save his own skin, and it, it failed. So you know SVG, that's my disappointment of the year, coach of the year. I I. I am in agreement with the majority here that it should should be Dwayne Casey. The way he, he took crap last year for not being able to adapt and change the way that these Raptors played, and then he re- completely reinvented it, sold two guys on changing the way they play and they had the best season in franchise history, and I know they get they got swept. Like the, that was absolutely one of the most disappointing things this year is how they performed in yeah. the, the Eastern Conference. But, you know, there was a lot of talk about them coming out and going to the finals. But if they'd have made the finals, given the performance they put in against the Cavs and the, the way that the Cavs, you know, I know this is jumping from A to B and ending up in Y, but. Um, <laughs> If 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 that Raptors team had faced this Warriors team, then Adam Silver would have had to implement a mercy-killing rule because <laughs> it would have been over before the end of game too. Um, but I, I don't think he was deservedly sacked. I think that his team and their star are to blame for that series, not him. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan the let them down.
0: Yeah, I think... I think the issue with Casey, um, Raptors bloggers are one of the, they're one of the better Twitters, by the way. If you get a chance, go through and just follow fifty, sixty Raptors bloggers. They're great. But I think the main take that I'm taking away from them is that Dwayne Kate is that Nick Nurse was the reason they were better this year because the offense improved. But in the postseason they still reverted to those old habits, you know, of a high pick and roll and then nothing after it. DeRozan with those God, I, I hate isolation basketball when it ends like that. Do you know? what I mean, the you know the contested mid-range jumpers—they're not good. Yeah. Sh- they're not good shots uh, for anyone. Even when LeBron was taking them, I was like, "Don't do that." You know, try and get to the rim. Set, you know, have some action. And I think the idea is that Nick Nurse will bring in a fresh voice, but it is risky. And, you know, Dwayne Casey—the fact he got a job immediately says a lot. He's thought of as he's one of the better coaches in the league. And he's like seventy. Yeah, he doesn't look
2: it, but he's he's super old.
0: Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> in, he was um, he's been around a long time. I mean, obviously yeah. you followed the NBA longer than me, but you're right. Cheers. he's one of the. <laughs> 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 but, I remember <laughs> when there wasn't a three-point.
2: Like, no, I don't. Um.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, Dwayne Casey's one of the most respected coaches <laughs> in the league. He's still going to win the award, but do you guys find it really weird that like the coach of the year is? he's going to receive his award and he's under contract from a new team.
1: Yeah, Yeah. massively. It's
0: just so (laughs) weird.
1: And the Raptors social media team fell into the the nightmare trap of all social media teams and posted a a thank you and a congratulations when it was announced that he was going to receive the award. And yeah, that looked all kinds of awkward.
0: Yeah, that was... I bet that
1: was a fun day in the office. Yeah,
2: that was- I'm sure. I'm sure. Case is okay. He's he's been around the block a few times. He's he's a still earning well, money from the Raptors. Well, he was
1: on the jump with um, Rachel Nichols during just before Game Four of the Finals, talking about you know the the future and everything. And yeah, like <laughs> they they kind of jumped around asking him anything about the Cavs series, which was kind of them. Um, but yeah, he's he's clearly just you know used to it. And uh, the NBA is business, I think, is the phrase. Mm-hmm. If you
2: if you haven't already, there was a Woge pod with him a couple of years ago. Um, if it's still available, go and listen to it. It's one of my favourite pods I've ever listened to. Just like his story and his background is just incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely worth definitely worth hunting out.
1: Okay, right, on to the good part, the uh the awards. MVP, I mean my pick for the season was James Harden. My winner will probably be James Harden. I think he had a phenomenal season. He averaged 30 points a game. Had a PER of twenty nine point eight, which is just um, ridiculous. But he's been robbed before, as anybody who listens to this podcast will know. And um, yeah, so James Harden was my MVP.
0: Yeah, I had Harden as well. My prediction was Kawhi Leonard. Uh, that's that didn't happen. In fact, that i went up in the air. <laughs> I had Kawhi Leonard doing the MVP Defensive Player of the Year double. Ooh. But um, maybe I'll put that one in next year. Maybe maybe I'll just keep that prediction. But yeah, James Harden for me. It's the runaway. I don't even know second. I don't even want to think about who's second because it doesn't matter.
2: Uh, so I think Harden's winning it. I think that the system is flawed in that it ends at the end of the regular season. My pre-season prediction was LeBron and I think if we'd have included postseason, he would have got it. But Harden is deserving of an MVP award as long as it says regular season on it.
1: <laughs> yeah just uh, forget about the playoffs um okay well, I think we'll go um so we go most improved um i have got Julius Randall who will not come Ooh. as much as a surprise to to many of you, but I think Randall had a he's always been my quiet favorite I've said he's the best player on the Lakers for the last couple of seasons, but he stepped up big. This year, averaged 16 points, eight rebounds a game. Um, you know, nearly a PER 20, which isn't too shabby. Um, but he, his future for most of the season was, was in doubt because he was in trade talks right up until the the trade deadline. Um, it's still up for doubts now. So to go through all of that adversity, if you can call it that, um, and play the way he did, you know, 82 games this season, had some big moments and some, some really memorable nights in the, in the, in the Staples Center. I think, um, Julius Randle is, Deserve it of something. So that was that your prediction or your choice? That's my choice. My prediction was Rodney Hood.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I didn't make a prediction as you as you pointed out because uh, I, I missed this thing, uh, the the article, unfortunately. Um, but for for me, there's no there's no other choice other than Oliver depot. and there's no way I'm going to claim that I predicted he would. At the start <laughs> of the season, I don't think I could even pull that off, but. I I can't see any other choice. The guy has just come out of essentially nowhere in terms of where his career trajectory has been. From Orlando to to the Thunder, I just didn't see how he would fit on a team. And he's just improved his game, worked so hard on his physical conditioning, and possesses one of the most devastatingly quick and long first steps on the dribble that I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I um, I'm with Mike. I've got Depot quite comfortably. There's a couple of other guys I like to out. Randall's a good pick. I'm with you on Randall. I think he's one of the Lakers' best players, and he's not as active on social media, and he's probably not as big a highlight reel as the other guys. I think he's just as good <laughs> as any of them. I think he's well. He, I'd say he's excellent all round. Another guy I'd like to shout is Tyreek Evans. I mean, Memphis were depressing this year. They were well. They I said on the last spot with Josh, they didn't have the worst record. They were the worst team in the league. There was nothing to celebrate. But Evans played really well. He's going to get a very nice contract, and he deserves it. But I'm with Depot. My pick um, for the year was a guy that a lot of people here probably don't know because, obviously, he did not most improve this year. But it was Wayne Selden from the Grizzlies. He had a couple of really good games at the end of the last season. And I thought he was going to develop into a starter alongside Mike Conley, but that didn't happen.
2: That was, that was a really out there hot take.
0: Yeah, I think I went a little bit left field with that one. I'm, I won't do yeah. that next year.
1: <laughs> um, okay, Rookie of the Year. Um, I've changed my mind several times this season, as, uh, as Mike will know. Um, yep. My prediction for the start of the year was actually Dennis Smith Jr. of the Dallas Mavericks. That didn't come to fruition very well. After seeing the playoffs, it, you'd kind of I think everyone would go with Jason Tatum. Um, I mean, he was he was phenomenal, and for a rookie to to average sixteen points like he did and to play eighty two games is just bonkers. Um, well, eighty games, sorry, plus the playoffs. But uh, I think it's going to be Ben Simmons, um, just because of the you know the way he looks and the way he's sort of turned that Philly team round in basically a season. Yeah, I, Ben Simmons
2: has got it in the bag. I I agree that post-season, as I said with the, the MVP, post-season performance should be a factor in this, in which case there's a much greater argument for Tatum. And Mitchell. And Mitchell. But, well, take, yeah, but the Mitchell argument was there for for the latter part of the season anyway. Yeah. But I, don't, I can't see anyone knocking Simmons off. Uh, before the season, I... I can't remember exactly which one I landed on, but I was I, it was a coin toss for me between Dennis Smith and Simmons. I think I might have hedged with Smith because he would have got in my mind he'd have had a higher usage. He's not playing with another Rookie of the Year, well, well last season's Rookie of the Year, who's demanding of the ball. Um, so I probably went with with uh, Dennis Smith just because I thought he'd get higher the higher reps. But it's definitely Simmons.
0: Yeah, I picked Dennis Smith as well. I thought he had the biggest opportunity because Dallas didn't really have a lot else on that roster. He was pretty. He was pretty good, to be fair. He just yeah, he had a good year. He just. He just wasn't that. He wasn't as efficient as the other guys. So for me, it's Simmons. Um, if you, by the way, I don't know if you guys have ever had the displeasure of interacting with people from Utah Jazz Twitter, but they, are, <laughs> they are. They are they, oh,
2: wait, they have Twitter in Utah.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, but they are. To be fair the again the bloggers are great but their fans get very touchy about this not a rookie thing.
2: Oh god.
0: Yeah so I hope none of you buy that argument either cuz it really it really <laughs> frustrates me but yeah Utah fans get a bit touchy if you say Simmons is rookie of the year. Mitchell was great and to be honest he may end up being the better player I think he's certainly going to be the better scorer but Yeah. But for me this year it was Simmons quite comfortable.
2: I love how this is like the rise of social media and, and an individual's voice that that this rookie debate is even happening about whether or not he's a rookie because it wasn't that long ago when Blake Griffin won Rookie of the Year in his second season. It's just like… And nobody cared. Yeah. <laughs> he was the best player to have never played in the league before. End of. It's just, yeah, no, come on.
0: It's just a, <laughs> it's just a strange hill to die on isn't it? It's like yeah. You've got this player playing great basketball and you go. Yeah, but technically he's not a rookie. Well, technically he is. It you know it doesn't matter when you were drafted because that's like saying a Europe um stash prospect could never the Yeah. Yeah. And Tia, oh yeah, the- Dosis, by the way had a really good season. Um Yeah, probably going to get when a he few wasn't votes. But
2: healing his foot and yeah. yeah,
0: when in the limited minutes he plays it, and so was um, Bogdan Bogdanovic as well, another good player. But like by that, by these Utah fans' logic, which is apparently unbiased, a Euro <laughs> project could never win rookie of the year because most of them don't come over straight away, especially the you know the second rounders.
2: What's what's quite interesting there is that they're almost killing their own argument. They're saying, "Well, he's technically not not a rookie," and it's like, "Well, okay." But what you're agreeing then is that he's technically better. Because you're having to use the argument that, well, he's not a rookie, so it doesn't count. Oh, so he is the best person to... Yeah, no, get out. You're conceding that he's the second best. I'm not saying he is, because he has been phenomenal, but it just seems like a a stupid angle to argue with a fundamental flaw. Okay, rant over. I'm not going. Go, I'm not. I'm not, not going to go to
1: town on this for another ten minutes. Okay, so to stop you two running, we'll move on to um, defensive player of the year. My pick's going to be Rudy Gobert. I think he'll win it. Um, my pick at the start of the season was also Rudy Gobert. Um, he's been building up to this since the very early days. We saw him at Eurobasket in France a couple of years ago to now this is what the Stifle Tower has been built for, to come over and to dominate this league. He didn't take a single three this season because he's old school, and I like that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh,
2: I, I, I think he was my prediction, and I think he'll get it. But, again, I, I can't say for certain what I'd have predicted back then. The, um, yeah, there seems just, to be like
1: three core cool guys who people pick at the moment. It's like Kawhi, Rudy, and then Draymond. Yeah, and...
2: I mean, at one point, KD was in with a shout. He looked yeah. like he was, which is just crazy because he's never been known defensively as as sort of on that level. Um, certainly, it helped having Kawhi out for the year because I think if he wasn't gone, you'd have seen um, Gobert's injuries have a, a greater impact. And then you only had to look at the Clippers to see that DeAndre wasn't getting much love this year. If you're not on a winning team, how can you be that impactful defensively if that makes sense? Or recognized yeah. for it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um I've got I've got Rudy as well. He um so in the games he was out, Utah did struggle. When he came back, he played thirty eight games. They went thirty and eight in those games. And <laughs> they had a the best net rating in the league in those thirty eight games as well. But their defensive rating was ninety seven point five the next lowest was Philadelphia one hundred one point one. So that's that's quite a big difference. And actually if you go um if you go four points the other way you get all the way down to twelfth place. So that just shows that Utah were in a class of their own defensively when Rudy Gobert was playing for them.
2: I reckon um I'm, I'm pretty sure that for the last three years post All Star game far and away utah have had the best defense in the league i'm pretty sure i'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure this has been like a every year we talk about how good their their final third sort of run is and and it's it's the same every single time it's it's insane it's like they're just like oh we've had a, we've had a a long weekend um no one got sent to the all-star game because we're from utah um <laughs> we're all refreshed and ready to go
1: it's it's crazy yeah, bo- so I guess it's a bonus if you're a Jazz fan. Um, sixth man of the year. Now, at the start of the season, I predicted... I think I predicted Eric Gordon. I did, I did. I predicted Eric Gordon would, would t- retain his crown from um, from last season. I think he's played well this year, Eric Gordon, and I think he was a big part of um, Houston's performance, certainly after Chris Paul went down in the, in the Western Conference Finals, managing to put up some points for them. But I, I think it has to go to um lou williams i mean he's, he started 19 games out of 79 this season but he averaged 22 points when he came on he had a peri of 20.2 um his career average of points is 13 a game so that jumped up significantly and obviously once blake run as well he was called upon a lot more and yeah doc rivers really got the best out of him this season so i i, I think this will be pretty unanimous i think everyone will end up with lou williams but yeah lou williams for me
2: I have no idea what I went for pre season, but it's definitely um it's definitely Lou Williams. It's uh and so they've got to be eligible for more games than they started, haven't they? To to be to be eligible for it. It's yeah. some weird rule like that. I'm I'm just wondering, like someone uh, no, I can't let me let me look at so, but ca- carry on. Carry on. I I think it's Lou Williams, but I just want to explore something in the background that's just crossed my mind. So go ahead, Joe. What you got?
0: My prediction, and actually, um, though a lot of people wouldn't agree, if you actually look at sort of net rating when he, this player was on, this was a good pick. Kelly Olynyk. Again, I watched Miami. They were much better when he was on the court than any of the other bigs. Um, but he's probably not quite there. He's probably in the top five, but again, not quite there. Lou Williams for me is the clear winner. But another guy who didn't get enough credit was Buddy Heald. I remember when he was the main. Oh, yeah. Remember, the next yeah Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to be the next Steph Curry. Now, look, that's not going to happen. Okay, I don't. I doubt even Vivek thinks that's going to happen. I doubt even Buddy Heald thinks that's going to happen. But <laughs> this guy's a legitimately really good player. He shot 43% from beyond. I think he might be their best player. I know that's, you know, being the best player on a lottery team doesn't mean loads, but. This guy's he was a legitimately good player off that bench. He was one of my other picks as well. And I had someone else. Nico Miritich. Nico Miritich had a really good year on two, oh, yeah, he did. On, two yeah, he did. on two different teams as well. So that might work in his favour.
1: And he slaughtered the trailblazers in oh, the playoffs. That, as that well. was so
0: brutal. As Mike will let you know.
1: Forgotten it, repressed, don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, I think Fred Van Vliet deserves a shout as well. I know he's in the nominations. Um he was big for the Raptors when he came on this season and there was there's a really interesting article I can't remember who it was by one of the Toronto media outlets about Fred Van Vliet and how he was picked by the team and it was all down to sort of his IQ level and his um his knowledge of basketball as opposed to like his actual skill set on the court but when he comes on he just contributes because he he knows the game and he plays the right way and yeah he's got a really interesting life story so if you can um if you want to google that and see if you can find it then have a look but yeah, it's definitely worth um, worth a mention. I think Eric Gordon was one of the nominations as well, so we'll see. But Lou Williams had such a big impact for the Clippers this season in what was a pretty turbulent year for, for them.
2: Yeah, and the thing I googled was Miritich. I wanted to see how many games he played and started because I knew A, he was injured and B, had to cover for DMC. But uh, 55 games played and uh, 14 starts, so yeah, he's definitely eligible. And he really turned it on. Breath of fresh air in New
1: Orleans. It was. And Pelicans were actually a surprise p- in general for me. Like well, the, yeah. the, especially once Boogie went down, Anthony Davis to take over and to do what he did, to drag them up to the sixth seed in the West, you know, and, and to knock off the Blazers who were like they were going in hot to the to the um to the playoffs and they, they completely just, you know, Drew Holiday harassed the living hell out of Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum and yeah, Terry Stotts did not do a good job of um, making the necessary adjustments, so I think there'll be another big off-season coming up in, in Portland. They're still ruining that Evan Turner contract, which we seem to talk about <laughs> um, every week. But yeah, yeah they, what, were, they were they a surprise.
2: What impresses me as well is that they managed to implement Emeka Okafor, who has not played in the league for four years. <laughs> it was just, they just brought him, like, I just... The way that they could make, not make up for necessarily, but, but plug the gap that DMC left with... With a guy who hadn't been in the league for four years, and then everyone else obviously picking up the slack, was just yeah. That's a and like we said earlier. It's another reason why uh, Gentry should be in the, the the conversation more for coach of the year.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Has anyone anybody else got anything they want to share quickly on the the the, the past season before we move quickly onto the Joe's draft section?
2: Yeah, I've- but well, hold on. Yeah, we have got Joe's. Uh, Joe Holbrook, come back here! Yeah. Oh, we have. Yeah, oh, come on, don't don't skip the biggest award. The why. <laughs> this is why people listen.
0: I've listed three names. Um, two of them are a little bit more literal than the other one. So the one that isn't is Lamarcus Aldridge. All summer, everyone was saying this guy sucks. This guy's <laughs> this guy's washed up. He's you know really he's dominated. worn out. He had a really good season, so I don't know. That's probably a bit more of a left field. Um, looking at this award. The next two names are number one, Trey Burke. The Knicks weren't very watchable this season. What I did watch, he really impressed me. He looked like a draft bust. He came in, he's probably going to get a new contract. For me, the winner of this award, though, and it's very literal, is Amika Okafor, who we just mentioned. (laughs) He... um, He's had some injuries. He's played abroad. He looked like he'd never play in the NBA in the NBA again, but he has come back and he's, well, you know, he's he's made a roster spot for himself. He's probably going to get a contract. If not there, he'll get it somewhere. So yeah, I'm Amico Okafor,
2: thirty five years old. That is, Joe will will present the trophy. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, we have got to. I yeah, okay, we've got we've got to put a, a. a trophy together and send it to him <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, I'm, I'm all up for this um, just jumping on the predictions on the site I took Derek Rose that was stupid Andy took Dwayne Wade um, Joe he took Chandler Parsons uh, Tom Atkinson took Derek Rose Nick Whitfield took Rudy Gay um, Ross that's not a um, shout. Ross, Carl and Josh all had Carmelo Anthony um, <laughs> Alex Cole had Emmanuel Moody Eye. And Tom Highland had Rajon Rondo, so
0: nobody got it. Rondo had a good season.
1: Basically, if you played for the Pelicans,
2: you remember the shout. <laughs> yeah, that basically
0: that's what they did, wasn't it? They just signed loads of comeback Player of the Year candidates. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They've been on your big board, anyway. Moving on to your draft big board, Um right? Do you want to talk us through this 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 bit? Because as as everyone knows, who listens to the show, me and Me and Mike are not the draft experts. That's why we've got Joe here. So I'm going to let Joe put his little hat on and his hosting hat on for a minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so if any of you follow me on Twitter, um, I put a tweet out about two days ago saying I wouldn't be doing a big board. Now, this is not because I've not researched the projects, but when I did my big board last year, because I was researching a lot and looking at statistics, it was always changing. But what I've got here is a, a draft board. It's slightly different. This is just based on the tape. I've not looked at stats. This is based on what I've seen. So number one, I've got Jaron Jackson. He's a combo forward from Michigan State. He looks like he's going to be more of a defensive player. Um, I've got the ringer open, so I'm going to give you their player comps and mine. Their player comp for him, I love this, is a millionaire's Taj Gibson. So you've got this this kind of four who can play the five. He's going to give you 100% effort, but I think He's got more of an offensive game than Taj Gibson. Number two, who Mike will probably talk about at the end of the show, Luka Doncic. He is sliding yeah. down mock drafts. By the way, I don't know how much is, how yeah, many yeah. mock drafts you guys read. I've seen him as low as Orlando, who I think are picking up five. That's yeah. uh,
2: Orla- Orlando at six.
0: Six. Sorry. six. Yeah, I've seen him go that low then, um, and I've seen some people say they've seen him go lower. I I, I would get that in a stronger draft class. This draft class does not strike me as a strong one. Uh, certainly yeah, not as strong as last year's at all.
2: This is one of the things I don't get about this year's draft class. Is it's it's loaded with bigs. Yeah. and in, in a league that essentially, to be a big, you need to be a specialised player or a unicorn. And if you're a unicorn, I don't see any of these guys be, being that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, you. I mean, but, to, but you, to survive in the c n b a you, you either need to be sort of a a rim-running, multiple-position-defending centre like Clint Capella, or, yeah, a unicorn. You need to have an outside shot and just be able to destroy people, basically. Davis, Towns, Porzingis.
2: And if, if they are more like the Clint Capella build, wouldn't you think that's a waste of a top-five pick?
0: Yeah, definitely, because you don't change a franchise with Clint Capella. As much as I like Clint Capella, Great player. He's a, Just, he's a he's a secondary player, isn't he? He's not... Yeah. If you stick Klinkapella on Orlando, they're not going to... They probably don't win any more games than they won last year. If you stick mm. Jason Tatum on Orlando, yeah, they win. They probably get more wins. So, and that's what you're doing. This draft does not... For me, it lacks those scorers, and that's how I'm going to transition to number three, DeAndre Ayton. I'm... I'm not as convinced by him as everyone else. I Phoenix are going to take him at one, I think. He gets compared to Towns, for me I I just don't think he's anywhere near as good as Towns was. I mean, Towns was a guy who, you know, could hit threes comfortably. Ayton, he does have a decent he's got a soft touch and I think he can be that occasional shooter, but like Towns is a 40% three-point shooter. Ayton for me is not going to reach that level. Number 4 mm. I've gone for Mo Bamba. This guy's my favourite project. Prospect, excuse me. He um I know it's contra this contradicts what I just said, because I just said rim runners can't chase franchises. The thing that makes Bamba great, many think he's gonna be the sort of Tyson Chandler with a three-point shot. In the sense that he's gonna be this <laughs> That's
1: a scary concept. Yeah, that it, he's got an insane wings, man. Yeah,
0: he is. Yeah. He's to be honest, I've had him as high as number two. I've just put him down a tad, but this guy I just love him, and even if he's only like a thirty percent three point shooter, that that still makes defenses think. And yeah, he's going to be valuable. I'd love to see him in Dallas. I think he's the long term guy. They've been after that kind of center for years. Well, get one on a rookie contract and uh, surround them. Number five is where I kind of different people. I've got Michael. Me, there's two bridges. There's Mike Cowell, who I've got a five, and uh, Miles, who will come up in a minute. Michael Bridges' efficiency numbers in college for Villanova—they were—they were ridiculous. He's in the 99th percentile. That means he's better than 99% of other college players in general offensive game. He was great as a PNR ball handler off the screen. He—he he can basically do a bit of everything. Um, I like these—I like these uh, player comps. They've got Rob Covington. I think he's a better version of Rob Covington. I think he can create his own shot. Covington can't at all, as we saw in the playoffs. Um, number six again this is a this is the most polarizing prospect I've got Trey Young I don't know if you guys have heard much about him
1: mm-hmm. uh, he's
0: yeah. he looks like the best pure scorer in this class uh, Kevin O'Connor's line on him is a polarizing prospect who can look either like Steph Curry or Seth Curry first of all <laughs> first of all that that kind <laughs> of a, no in between that kind of annoy me because I think Seth is a good player but I get where he's coming from when Trey Young is good he's he beat the number one pick. When he's bad, he's you just can't have him on the floor. He's he's not a great defender. He their pro comp is Mike Bibby or Trey Burke. I don't really have a pro comp for him because I've not seen a player like it. But he's a high powered guard, so that's what uh, you're going to expect from him. Um, on to number seven, Miles Bridges went to Michigan State. Good program. Could have been in last year's draft. My pro-con for him is um, either Tobias Harris or Dineo Gallinari. I don't think he can be your number one option, but he's going to be efficient in a variety of play types. So he's one to watch out for. Then, number eight, if you're still with me, uh, Michael Porter Jr. This guy is, he's polarizing. Again, have you guys heard much about him?
2: Yeah, he's just uh, he's withdrawn from his second pro workout, hasn't he, because of a hip abductor
0: injury, yeah, or something, um,
2: which can't be good. His time Tommy here.
0: And a lot of people think it's a smokescreen because he doesn't want to get drafted by the Kings or the Grizzlies, who both like him. He's <laughs> if you wanna if you want a stat that tells you a lot about Michael Porter, his average assists per game in college was 0.3. This is a score first player. Harrison Barnes, maybe. I think he's I don't think this guy can be a, a franchise scorer. Again, I I don't like this draft class. They've got they've got someone I don't know Keith Van Horn I'm, I assume you guys are more familiar with him than me
2: Keith Van Horn oh my word
0: that's yeah uh, that's that is their Google car. him I, I have, <laughs> Keith Van Horn I will, have, I will have I will have to do it now but I've again pro comps aren't my thing I just do it so people kind of have an idea of where I'm coming from but Michael yeah, Porter he's polarising put it that way he's a score first player but that's how you change that's how you turn a franchise around so I've got him. Number nine is, again, another polarizing. And many will be shot to have him this low. Marvin Bagley. Um, the ringer have him at number two. Now, here's the thing with Bagley. I've never seen a weirder prospect than this guy. And I will go into that now. So Bagley, he's, he is too small to be a center. And he's not reactive enough to be a center but he doesn't have a good enough jump shot to be a power forward. He just, to me, he screams Thomas Robinson. I don't know if you guys remember him. Oh, dear God. Yeah, dear that's, no. that is the vibe I get. Now, he could prove me wrong. His athleticism is... I, I liked him. His athleticism is really, really good. He He's good in the P&R, but I question this guy's a shooter, and I just, I'm not sure... I'm not sure I would take that high of a pick on him. If I'm Chicago and he's there at seven, I'd probably take the pick because they've already got offensive players. They've already got a stretch big and market and maybe try and convert Bagley, but I'm not as big on him as anyone else. <laughs> I love these pro comps. The ringer have got a skinny Zach Randolph. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so again, he's, he's an old player and you guys will know what I mean if you watch the NBA draft. They'll show you his tape. He's It's just odd. Now, the next one, he, this guy, I think if the sixes get him, I think you're looking at a really, really good player. But I've got Wendell Carter Jr. This guy, he's, he's a rim-running player again. But what I like about Wendell Carter Jr. is he's got, he's got the outside shot as well. The floor, you're looking at someone like Mo Spates. Now, I know people like to laugh at Mo Spates now. He's he's still I think quite a valuable player. He's a stretch big. That's a minimum what Carter's going to be. But Carter is a really really good defender. I think he's going to be one of those players who so he's not going to blow you away physically, but he's he reads the game well. For me, that's more important these days. I think.
1: Well, if the Sixers take him and put him alongside Embiid, then yeah. that could be frightening.
0: Yeah, I mean you could have a very. Uh, he's big as well, six ten, extremely athletic, big wingspan. <laughs> He's only nineteen as well, so it's enough project. But the Sixers could feasibly roll out a lineup something like Simmons, Saric, Covington, Carter, Embiid. First of all, that is that's a, that's a gigantic wow. lineup. But you've got outside shooting as well. It's like the monsters. Yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> he he's a catch and shoot player as well, which just it just fits a lot of teams. I think, if, I think teams with creative playbooks can make a lot of use of this guy. And to be honest, I will be releasing this top 10 on Twitter on Monday. Don't be surprised if he's moved up a couple of spots by then because I'm becoming more enamoured with this guy every time I watch him
2: that's good no I appreciate it. that that's a uh, fantastic that's, uh, a quick rundown to, to get me uh, to, to pique my interest in the, it is I, I like, I like the I. pro
1: comparisons though that's uh, a yeah I think a that's cracking great that yeah, the ringer do and I obviously think, that you've done before so
0: I think they help people because you know old NBA fans they'll be able to think if I just list their um, their pros and cons it doesn't quite get in there but if I compare it to someone they can picture them you know yeah. playing basketball it just helps I think
2: I no, love the Keith Van Horn awesome. comparison, to be honest. if if I'm going to be really <laughs> disappointed if this this dude doesn't wear tube socks now, because <laughs> that's all I care about with Keith Van Horn. It's got to be the socks. And you don't know what I'm talking about, because
0: you don't remember no, Keith I, Van I Horn. I am going to be researching <laughs> him,
2: though, because... Yeah, good. honestly, have a look at his socks. They are... oh, uh, well, he... you've seen tube socks before, but they are brilliant. Was he good? Yeah, he was decent. He was... Um, It was on the early 2000s Nets team, run by Jason Kidd, I'd probably say he was their third top scorer, kind of a a prototypical stretch three and four kind of back then, Uh, played for Dallas, played for Philly, was projected to be really, really
1: good. He may have been an all-star at one point. I was going to say, didn't he finish just before the Mavs won their first title?
2: yeah i i think he missed out by, yeah. by a year or so but uh keith van horn that is uh, what an amazing name what an amazing pair of socks <laughs> just yeah yeah 2006 he finished
1: yeah mike's getting all googly eyed and stuff now
2: it's just, i just i never i never liked him as a player i just, I just <laughs> looked at the blast from the past reference
1: yeah nah, that was that was brilliant joe thank you um we'll obviously hopefully at some point get the um the whole draft uh show done and, and out for everybody to hear, and obviously Joe will run that in his usual rigorous manner, so that'll be well worth a listen um well, I think that's it I mean, is there anything else anybody wants to say before we call it quits for the two thousand seventeen to eighteen season? I mean, we've obviously got the off season coming up, plenty of player movements and big big news predicted, which we'll obviously cover throughout the off season like we will not take a break, basketball never stops as they say um but we we, we won't be. Probably as regular as as usual. I say regular. I don't know if regular is ever a word of us, is it? But um, we'll uh, we'll be about over the summer, and obviously the website and the Twitter feed and all the social accounts will be will be up to scratch and running as usual. But is there anything you guys want to just say before we uh, we call it a quits? Get your questions in. Get your questions in. Yes, admin at doubleclutch.uk, and we will Sweet do our best us. to answer yep. a few of them.
2: Because that's so what we want to do this summer is do a listener based we do well. Guess. question and answer show i guess so yeah
1: yeah the court's going to be uh that's what we're going to call it uh we're going to title that as our um sort of user or user listener quick questions and answer session so hopefully we'll um we'll have a few oh, of those in man. we have had some
2: in already actually i seem to remember um we, we have had some in you've got you've got to open up that episode by saying the court is in session by the way <laughs> Just, <laughs> we're spoiler to, alert i
1: have gonna write that down so i remember um, but we will we obviously we will be um planning I spoke to Joe briefly in the week about maybe sorting out division previews and discussions around each team. Um Joe's been here long enough to remember when we did State of the Franchise, which was our like um regular summer thing where we focused on one franchise and went into them for like an hour and just spoke about like the history of the team and tried to be a bit more, you know, information friendly to some of the sort of the new UK fans over here. But um yeah, we'll we'll see what we come up with. There'll be plenty of content and we'll be getting on with that um 2019 season guide at some point which just seems scary seems like yesterday we were all writing the last one yeah i'm pretty sure i'm still writing part of mine <laughs> <laughs> and, and Joe's probably doing another 20 previews <laughs> yeah right fabulous um well thank you for listening thank you for joining us this season if you've enjoyed the podcast please do review us on um on itunes please check us out on spotify we're available on On there now, we're obviously on TuneIn, Stitcher, Acast, and pretty much every other podcast platform you can think of. The website, as always, is doubleclutch.uk. Please do check out Hugh's um, articles that we, we mentioned. If you are interested in joining and contributing to the team, whether that's NBA, WNBA, or you want to hit BBL or something, please do give us an email, like we said, um, free agency has started. Free agency is officially open. Yeah, we're a fan-driven community. Um, we'll do our best. We, we can give you some some little perks, like you know, coming on the podcast and having a group of people that are general enthusiasts about the sport, which is which is certainly nice and has certainly made it easier to for certainly for me to be a more open NBA fan. Now I'm I'm not as closeted as I was. I can't I believe you were
2: closeted ever. <laughs>
1: How could you be? Ah, able- oh, yeah because oh, i'm from norfolk and like norfolk's strange and like it's a football place as well so like if you'd like anything but football i even used to get funny looks for liking rugby so <laughs> <laughs> oh well <laughs> right we'll uh, we'll catch you at some point next week with the uh the draft show Thanks, guys.